So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection, with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and I have, of course, here with me, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I'm fantastic, Rick. How are you doing? I'm just wonderful. Awesome. So before we get started, I guess we got to do our uh, traditional shout-out to um, our incredible guests in the chat room. Hello, guests in the Hello, chat Hello, everybody. Love you. Um, and as usual, again, another shout-out to the Inner Child family, because that's what they have definitely become to us. Um, if you don't know yet about these guys, you need to find them. Uh, just an amazing group of people who are out there spreading the love and uh, helping to inspire people to know their worth and their value as artists and individuals. Um, so you should pop by innerchild.ning.com sometime for a visit. Yeah, absolutely. Tell them we sent you. It's a finer, a finer bunch of folks is hard to find, and uh, and quite the variety too. We've got uh, poets and writers and singers and musicians and publishers and uh, radio show hosts radio show hosts radio shows and uh and even a well in part sort of a music place somebody is their head of publication but speaking of poets they're running an awesome contest called the world healing world peace poetry 2012 contest and uh you'll find them at that mouthful uh world healing world peace poetry twenty twelve dot yolosite dot com uh I know that that's a tough one so uh tune into our uh, uh website we'll have links there and for everybody in the chat room we've got links up for you there as well but uh it's an amazing contest um with some amazing prizes. Virtually everyone that uh, that enters will be in a poetry anthology that's going to be published, but three, count them, three big winners will receive their own publishing contract with uh, Inner Child Press. So your book of poetry will be published. Uh, you'll hold it in your hand, your cover designed, editing layout, uh, the whole thing. Plus you get, uh, we're on eight radio shows so far that will feature you. Wow. To promote your work. Promotions and, uh, and marketing. And uh, awesome. half a dozen websites. It's, it's quite something. Uh, it is a real grand opportunity. And, of course, the subject is world healing and world peace. Uh, 
and uh, it's and another like fine that. subject. And all almost all the poets I know have thoughts and and words on those. So uh, take a look take a look at the uh, contest there. I think you'll uh, uh, really enjoy entering whether you win or not because everybody wins. So tonight we have a fascinating guest that we're honored to have, Mr. Frank Butterfield. How are you, Frank? I'm doing great, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. It's always uh, it's always fun to talk to you guys. Ah, I'm just happy because I like your voice. <laughs> <laughs> I could just thank listen you. to that all night. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow, I got two sexy voices on on air tonight. <laughs> screwed um okay so <laughs> so maybe you ask your question first you, yeah <clears throat> and then i'll just sit hold. back and i'll just sit back and relax the end the rest of the night is that how that's gonna go <laughs> uh so so frank um who the hell are you and what do you do well i am uh, a channel and that's what i do so any other questions no yes. um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when I say I am a channel, I'm, you know, uh, what I do is I let a broader non-physical point of consciousness speak through me, and I have a heck of a lot of fun doing it. Um, It's just about the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. I've done just about everything else I could think of to not do this, and what ended up happening was I just became a square peg trying to fit into a round hole and once I realized, oh wait a second I'm a channel, this is the way this works this is how I can do this uh, my life totally took off and it's just been a wild ride ever since and lots and lots and lots of fun. I, I'm right now on a road tour um, I've been th- uh, around about two thirds of the US and I'm more than halfway done I'm in New York City right now, I'll be going to Washington this weekend, and then down to Florida, and then around the Gulf Coast, and back to Austin, which is where I live. And I'll be back there in time for Thanksgiving. But I've been uh, on the road since September 26th and having a wonderful time meeting people, reconnecting with friends. Just It's just been great. And this is this is my life. This is what I do. And I really, really, really love it. Well, you sound very peaceful and just content. Very. I am. I am. I've I've got a little bit of a cold, or let me put it this way. Um, the cold virus came to hang out for a little while, and um, it's on its way out, and so it'll be moving on to something else. And so I've, I'm a little bit quieter than I normally would be, but um, but I am very much, it, it's, I'm very much at peace. <clears throat> and it's very funny because I've been in New York since last Thursday in Manhattan. And a friend of mine was saying, well, what are you going to do there? And I said, you know, are you going to do workshops? Are you going to do this? And I don't, normally I'd have three or four workshops planned for here. Um, but I just decided, no, I'm going to go there and rest. <laughs> and then it, I thought, that's really weird. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say, I'm going to Manhattan to relax. Yeah. Uh, it's usually the other way around. People leave Manhattan in order to relax. But I, I, I have found this to be very, very soothing. It's been wonderful. So, yeah, I, I'm, but I'm ready to get back on the road. I'm leaving Friday night to go down to D.C. and then point south, and 
I'm going to end up in Key West at some point next week, and I can't wait for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. So, on the road. Well, it'll be a blast. Key West, one of the. I've been in many places in my life. Very fortunate to travel quite a bit, but I haven't ever made it to Key West yet. And being a, a old Jimmy Buffett fan for twenty some odd years, I, I got to get to Key West once. It's got to be on the bucket list. Yeah. I, I, Exactly. I just want to go there so I can. I, I, I want that drive across the, you know, where you're driving on the ocean, essentially. And um, I just think that part's fascinating. But I, I'm just really looking forward to being out in the water. That's. I'm not, you know, I, I won't be going. I can't remember what the main street there is. I think Duval Street. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't drink. I don't party. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I'm not going to do the pub crawl on Duval Street. No, we'll no, be doing no. that. I, me neither. Um, but what I will be doing is probably sitting by the beach and putting my toes in the water and really enjoying that. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, I've I've always enjoyed your, uh, your story. Not that I enjoy your uh, you know, confusion or pain or whatever you want to call it, contrast from trying to run away from who you are. But I, I, I took a similar path and uh, was very disastrous in the end uh, of trying to be something I'm not. And um, uh, so now I'm still sort of fishing around in there. The radio found me, and, and uh, gosh, I just love it. I get to talk to people like you twice a week from all over the planet that are just also having fun, and uh, so it's it's my twice weekly therapy. But isn't it great? You you first kind of thought about ch- channeling and being a channel some years before you. Oh yeah. Set up and said, "Okay, I'm a channel. That's it." Yeah, I um, the first time I came across the subject was in 1986. I was reading. Out on a Limb by Shirley MacLaine, and it, where she has she meets a couple of channels. She talks about it. There was a made-for-TV movie which came out about six months after I read the book, where you actually see uh, these two channels: um, Kevin Ryerson and uh, Stuart Johansson, who lives in Sweden, and um, they both, you know, they filmed. They like and in in her the book after that called Dancing in the Light she talks about the challenges they had with this you know this wasn't just a steady cam you know on somebody's arm they had you know multiple cameras they were lighting they were you know really they had basically set up in these environments and um, during the sessions uh, you know lights would blow electrical equipment would fail things that did, weren't happening anywhere else and. Um, so it's it's very cool, you know, on television on ABC. There was, you know, there was Kevin Ryerson channeling and there's this guy from Sweden channeling in Swedish. And um pretty cool stuff. And I saw that and I thought this is amazing. I want this. And at the time, I didn't know what I wanted. I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. I, I always joke about it. I say that I couldn't tell if I wanted to live in Malibu if I wanted to be Shirley MacLaine, if I wanted to meet her, if I wanted, you know, I couldn't tell what it was. I just knew there was something on that screen that was calling me. And it was more powerful than, by the way, reading the book. Um, It was seeing it was just very, very, very confirming. 
So about three years later, after reading uh, the Seth material, which I found about the same time, uh, Jane Roberts, after reading that and reading some other stuff and getting into this and getting into that, I found a book called Opening to Channel and by Sanaya Roman and Dwayne Packard, still in print. Highly recommend it. And it's. I sat down one afternoon. I went through the book. I was channeling that night. Uh, don't recommend that. If you're going to read the book and do the exercises, do the exercises. It should take about two weeks. Um, and it's worth going through the whole thing. But, yeah, I sat down. I was channeling. I had this guide named Raji who came through and said that we had been very good friends in another lifetime and that he was here to help me get things going for this and that after his work was done, he'd be gone. And that's exactly what happened. So he was around for a couple of years. And then I had a, in the meantime, I had moved from San Francisco to the other side of the country to Provincetown, which is at the end of Cape Cod and uh, was meeting with this group. We were kind of playing around with a Ouija board. And one night it said, Frank should channel. And I did. And what happened was very different, much more like what I'm doing now than what I had been doing before. And that went on for a while, but I kept, I, I kept, the, the thing I kept running into over and over again was I didn't know what to do with it. I couldn't figure out what to, how to make this work. And I, I couldn't even really define the question. So after a while, I kind of got tired of banging my head up against the wall, and I'm a little stubborn, so it took two or three years before I did it. But I was like, okay, I'm just going to become a real person, and I put that in real in quotes. And I got a real job. I went into the corporate world and moved up the ladder really fast. And what's interesting about that period of time is when I look back on it, there were some some there was a com- the company I worked for the longest. Their uh, their philosophy is is bootstrapping and throwing people into the deep end of the pool. That's what they're all about. And so, in a way, they're very agile. To use that um, kind of programming term, uh, we could set things up and break them down really fast because we didn't have to like stop and actually make a plan. We would just do things right. And uh, I was thrown into meetings with people who were really really well educated who were talking about things way that I didn't know anything about, at least initially. And on reflection, I'm realizing in those meetings, I would open my mouth and these words would come out and I wouldn't know what I was talking about. But everybody around me would look at me as though that was very intelligent. And then people would come up to me later saying, wow, where did you learn about all that? And I would say, I I don't know. You know, uh, I, I wouldn't even know how to answer the question, but I was obviously channeling. Because I would, I got this, I got it down in these these endless, endless, endless meetings uh, with attorneys and experts and people like that, and they would just be going on and on. And I, someone would say, "Well, Frank, what do you think about that?" And I would say, "Well," and then I would just, I would see kind of the words to say, and I would say them, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, well, that's good, that'll work." And I'm like, "Oh good, I have no idea what I just said." So I hope someone's keeping notes. But um, that's kind of how I got through that really, really tough place of being thrown into the deep end with all these people. And and it's it's interesting to me that I was actually channeling then. And it's always, when I talk about that, I always think of, you know, channeling isn't just, you know, what I'm doing that's kind of 
a show. It's a little bit of a show when I'm doing a workshop. Um, you know, it's it's about reminding people of who they are. But there's a little bit of um, there's a little bit of theater to it in the sense that something very different is going to happen. But people channel all the time, and I don't mean in the sense of you know we have different personality aspects that we bring out that you know we're one way with our with mother and we're another way with sister and another way with our best friend, but how we really do channel and we tap into bigger pieces of information than we think we have access to. And we'll pull things out of the middle of the air. And if if we train ourselves to be to trust that inner voice and that inner connection, amazing things can happen. And it can look like you're sitting in a boardroom or you're, you know, programming a computer or talking to a, a client or whatever. But in fact, something much bigger than that is happening. And I, I think that's always a really good thing to remember and to bring up because it's not just this special thing that happens like on a stage. It's actually happening all the time if we're really aware of it. And I had some uh, – uh, go ahead, Jane. It's, it's it's an everyday kind of thing. And my my brother um, and I, who he happens to be a robotics engineer, <laughs> rather, you know, techie, nerdy type of personality, and I just love him to death. But, um, you know, Mr. Non-Religious, Non-Spirituality will, will get into a two-hour-long question about how – Wow, feedback <laughs> when he loses himself into into working with electronics. Um it's it's like he's in a in a completely other zone. Um and he's just pulling information literally out of thin air. Right. Um and he says mechanics do it, surgeons do it, artists do it, musicians do it. I mean it, it it's just well, really I think a mechanic is actually a really, really we, – we've all known those mechanics who just, like, touch a car and it's healed. Yeah. Right? Um, because they really – you know, they're they're doing some – they're getting into – there's way too many cars for a mechanic to be a specialist in every single one of them. But there's – you know, I've certainly had a shade tree mechanic or two who could just, like, sit down with a car and kind of look at it and look at the engine and – and say, yeah, no, it's this, this, and this, and and really be able to see things that were not really, I don't think, physically obvious. And I've always been very impressed by that. And of course, you know, you, the la- probably like your your brother, it's like the last thing you want to do is go up to someone and say, hey, did you realize how intuitive you were there? Because they'd be like, are you smoking something? What are you talking about? You know. <laughs> Actually, my brother jumps right on board with it. Um, oh, cool. He he says most most electricians, mechanics. They do it naturally without thinking about it, um, and you know he's he he used to race cars as well. So he says you know race car drivers definitely do it, um, and it, he said it's just commonplace, and and that's where he he gets edgy when it comes to the religions and the spiritualities. Like if if you took that out of it and just let people know that it's perfectly natural state of being, then I don't know maybe poor people would tune in to click into and accept that it's just okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, which is yeah. his way of looking at it. And it's a really weird way of looking at it, but uh, he gets his point across to people that normally wouldn't, wouldn't accept that as, as reality. Right. Right. Well, and I think we, we, we've seen, and you know, even, even in my lifetime, I've seen quite a, a sea change about it 
and 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 even a difference in people's understanding of what is going on. Um, you know, uh, even looking at uh, Bashar or uh, Abraham, there's Esther's gotten to where she doesn't do much of anything, but in her early days, her head flipped around and did crazy things, and Bashar talked much more strangely, I guess would be a way to put it, uh, early. And and sometimes I wonder if it wasn't just a bit of theater uh, for the benefit of the audience to be able to accept it. Well, we were talking about this at a workshop recently. Um, someone said basically the same thing about Esther, um, about the theatrics of it. And my understanding of it is something a little bit different. It, it If you go back to even further back in time to Jane Roberts and then to Edgar Casey, you know, if you, Edgar Casey had to essentially go to sleep, you know, his, that he was called the sleeping prophet. He would lay down on a couch or a divan or something and be asked questions. And then I think, what was his name? Dr. Peebles, his control would come through, it's right. like, you know, very, all that mystical theosophical kind of stuff would happen. And, but it was because, the way that I've always understood it was you have Edgar Casey and then you have Jane Roberts. And if you've ever, there's a, there's some videos that exist of her channeling and it's very tortured. Yeah. And the, it's almost, you have to really listen for a while to kind of get the cadence and the rhythm of the voice because Seth is very difficult to understand. And, um, then, you know, then it's back to her and there's a huge difference between the one and the other. And then, you know, as we go forward in time, this getting softer and softer, and the trances aren't quite as deep, and it's not quite as contorted, and it's not quite as whatever. And I think that has to do first with the person who's who's channeling. And one of the radical things that I think Sanaya Roman um, brought forth, which is just brilliant, is kind of the idea that channeling is not it's not a gift, it's not it's not something special. It's anybody can learn how to do it, and that's what that book is so wonderful for. Um, and that if – because they say this over and over and over again, both her guides and she says the same thing. I say the same thing to people that I've worked with. I don't, I don't coach people anymore on channeling, but I used to. And I would say, look, when you get done with a session, if you feel drained, something has gone wrong with the way you were doing your session. If you, you – what should happen – if you're in alignment, um, and you know nine times out of ten this is what's going to happen, is you should feel either very rested or exhilarated. But you should feel good, some version of good, yeah. whatever that means. But if you feel tired or you feel drained or you feel spent, now there's a difference between doing this for three, four, five, six hours, which is a physical thing. Right. But you know, after thirty minutes or forty-five minutes, if you feel tired or spent, then you're something's out of alignment, and you need to go in and and do some inner adjustment through meditation or talking to the guide and saying, "Look, let's you know help me line this up. Let's get this really clear," because it should feel really good, and that's a really radical change because the literature, particularly mediumship and things like that, is people being possessed or being taken over, and the life force being drained out of them. That's the whole concept prior to this. No, and having some sometimes stories of them having to be in bed for days after a right. session. And, right. 
Um, no, no, wait a minute, because I have been completely and utterly like bedridden after after um, an automatic writing session. But my understanding is, is because it's, I, I was in, I was in a state of resistance. Yes, that's what I'm saying. There's something so going on internally with if you're, you. If you're with resisting the it, then yeah, right, exactly. You're gonna be exhausted. Yeah, if you're not oh, quite lined up with it, it, it can still be tiring. I. My my best and favorite ones uh, sessions are the ones where I can't sleep afterwards. I'm floating around. Uh, and um, well, and the thing too is that if you're in resistance, you know, easier said than done. But you know, now that now that as a third party, stop. Just stop. Walk away. Um, and that would you know like if. You're not asking me for this, but if you came to me and you said this is what this is what happened, I would be like, the minute you start feeling resistance, stop. Just put down the pencil, walk away from it, and then oh, come back when you feel I, more in alignment. I totally agree, but I, I should actually send you the send you the piece of the book. Um, I think they wanted to get the point across that if you're in resistance, there's going to be some kind of um, some kind of discomfort that goes along with that because they wanted me to write something that I just didn't want to write. And so they, an argument ensued where I refused to write it down. And of course, you know, my body, it, it, it was like an hour long argument. This went on for, and by the end of it, I, I was exhausted. I could hardly move, but I, I ended up writing what they wanted and I included it in, into the novel so that people would have an idea of what, um, what's that, what that's like. And this was before I even knew what I was doing. Right, right, right. I think this would be a great time. We've kind of talked past our first break because we're Oops. having so much fun. Uh, <laughs> Gene and I can talk f- for hours. We we do. We have to tell each other. I I, I must go. Um, so I'm going to have. Uh, since we're talking about resistance, we'll play uh, a song from our guest from Tuesday, Dana Harmon, titled uh, "Stormy," and we'll be back in just about two minutes.
All right. Again, that was our friend Dana Harmon. Um, you can find Dana at, oddly enough, www.danaharmon.com. And uh, we'll have links to all the music musicians we play tonight uh, up on the website afterwards. So I really love that. I re- before you go on, I, I just want, I really love the cover of that song. I really love the way that uh, that sounded. I'm definitely going to go check that out. Oh, he's a really he's talented, talented young man. Um, Super sweet too. And uh, has done a did an EP in honor of. Uh, uh, Dare, but, but his own version of Dare. Drugs are really evil instead of uh, whatever the initials mean because he was talking about prescription drugs. He lost a friend to him and had his own little fight with him. And um, wow. and so a tattooed electric guitarist in bands with rappers and comes out and says, hey, this is not a good thing. Uh, that's, very cool. Uh, I love that. It's very cool. And he so, really does look like a punk. Like I got... <laughs> I gotta say it again. He looks like such a punk. Yeah, he does. Uh, but he grew up in the inner city, so I guess maybe he looks like an inner city kid instead of punk. I don't know. Well, but because he is an inner city kid, but he's awesome. Great, uh, great strength from some uh, folks that just gave him a few words here and there. Wow. Uh, so never forget, people, the power that two or three words can have in a child's life. Okay, we're gonna get off on another show there if we get going. Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of chatting uh, over the uh, break there. We sneak away and go into the green room. And um, uh, Jane happened to mention, you know, gee, I wish I'd had some information about channeling before I started channeling because it might have gone smoother. And uh, uh, that was that's one of the things that we like to, to bring up on everyday uh, connection. Um uh, is that it's it's a natural thing. I did it all through my life and didn't know what I was doing. Uh, just like Frank's saying, there were times that that you just do. And uh, uh, I, don't know, I, I, guess. I remember the first time that uh, Jane saw uh, somebody channeling on video. I sent, I sent her an Abraham Hicks video. And was it in the first or second video that you started just she 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 must have typed into the, Skype like forty times. It was that's the them. First that's them. The first video because yeah. I I just I had just written an entire novel talking to them. Um, actually, the, it was the second novel. Um, and and we had realized partway through the writing of the novel that the handwriting because I I wrote my first two novels by hand and then transcribed them, and the handwriting was different when they were talking. Um, but I had never seen a channel, a live channel, um, until partway into the second book. And then when I saw Abraham Hicks, I was like, oh, my God, that's that. Um, and I'd, I'd been talking to them for a couple of years, <laughs> and they'd been writing through me for uh, over a year. I, I was willing I was just finished the second book, right, Rick? Like, yeah. I, and I, I had no idea who they were. Um, they, they had done their best to explain it to me, but I was still thinking, and um, I'd been brought up with a Christian back upbringing, so I was still having some major conflicts just within myself, coming to terms with some of the information that they were bringing forward to me and asking me to write down, which, coming from my background, just seemed so 
far-fetched and and beyond what I was willing to admit or put on paper for other people to believe or read that I just, you know, I mean, like I said, there was one time when we had the argument. (laughs) Well, you used to take pages and go to your friend and go, I can't say this. I did. I I would take a chapter, go to um, my friend who coincidentally is represented in the book as as High Wisdom because that's what her name means. Um, And we would go over the chapter and she would would just sit there and listen to me. I'd read it to her and I'd I'd look at her and go, I can't. And she said, but you will because that's what you're here to do. And and so moving on, what's next? You know, like she never, um, she didn't want to discuss it. She just, okay, so now you know that. Now on to the next thing. That was always her answer. And um, I, honest, honest to God, like if not for her, I would not have made it through the writing of my second novel. If not for her and um, my other half that I'm with now, I would not have made it without those two because they kept me sane. I thought I was losing my mind. I was living in an entirely different realm. Wow. Wow. It, I couldn't communicate with normal human beings for like two months. Um, people at work didn't understand where I was coming from. They said after I was done the novel, like it took me about a month to come back down. And they said, welcome back. Like, where the hell have you been? And I said, what do you mean? I've been coming to work all the time. And they said, yeah, you've been here in body, but we have no idea who this person is that we've been talking to. Um, <laughs> I didn't understand things like um, I couldn't understand that. Not everybody was naturally empathic. Uh, It took me about a month of working with my friend called Wisdom. I won't give you her real name, but it took me about a month working with her to get back to understanding that not everybody was naturally empathic and that they didn't feel pain when they hurt somebody. So, you know, sometimes they they said and did things for their own benefit, not caring what the other... And I couldn't understand that at all. Uh, The space that I had been in in writing the second book was so far beyond... Um, anything I'd ever experienced, that coming back was devastating for me. And if I had known ahead of time, maybe that's why I didn't know ahead of time, because I went so far into it that I might not have been willing to do it. But um, I wish I'd had some understanding beforehand. But once I saw Abraham Hicks, it all clicked and it was all good. And, and I was willing to go through the process of, of integrating back into like normal, everyday living with with normal people. Um, because at least I'd found a community that I could understand and relate to, and I wasn't alone anymore. But or I'm insane. telling you, yeah, it was yeah. it was right freaky. Right. Yeah. Well, that's I I found the Seth books about the same time Frank was finding uh, uh, Shirley MacLaine and the Seth books, and then I found opening the channel, and uh, uh, I even started their light body course. I didn't completely finish, but. Uh, uh, then I turned away from it and joined the corporate world and became a real person, just like Frank said. It's exactly the terms I used. I said, I've got to be a real person now. And uh, so it is, uh, I think, grand that there are more and more people willing to uh, communicate that, look, this is just part of life. This is just living. This is not crazy, weird, unusual. Um, might be more unusual to live without it. Uh, but um, I know here after a while we're going to uh, see if uh, Paul might join us and answer a couple of questions. We've got a good question in, uh, from uh, uh, one of our guests in the chat room. Um, but um, so uh, talk. I want to hear a little bit more about the good part. 
uh, once you stood up, and I think your bio says you just went to the door and said, Mom, I'm a channel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's well, it, it all happened one afternoon. I was in San Antonio. I was at a, I had gone to the one and only workshop I'll probably ever go to for Abraham Hicks. And I walked in the door and I saw how it was laid out and I realized, oh, this is how it works. This is how you do this. Or now what I would say is this is how Jerry Hicks does this. Okay, got it. Good. And um, and that was the beginning of the beginning or the beginning of the next phase, I guess. And I did. When it was, the workshop was over, I got in my car, drove back to Austin, walked into my mom's house, and I said, look, I need to tell you I'm a channel. Deal with it, you know. And she said, okay, fine. <laughs> good. Good for you. Like, that's no big deal. But I went, th- I, I went through probably about a week after that. I went through a little bit of an identity crisis, trying to figure out who was doing what. If I was a channel, something I'd been resisting for a really long time, if I was a channel, then who was I? Was I Would I lose myself? Would I lose Frank? And um, after about a week of that, I realized, no, actually, it's something I turn on, I turn off, something I can tap into, I can use for, you know, my own purposes, I can use to, to amplify the quality of my life. But, you know, primarily what it's for is just being in the presence of other people while they're getting their questions answered. And that's what is so amazing and so wonderful to me. That's the core of it right there. Absolutely. And um, and it is if you uh, if you listen to some of the other channels that I know so well talk, that's the thing is they just they love hearing it. They love the feeling of it um, yeah. flowing through. And uh, See, you guys are lucky because my guys don't want to answer anything. Their answers always just, well, they know. We know. They know. Pick up the they pen. They know. So tell them to figure it out. We have other stuff to do. <laughs> and um, and you don't know if we, if we sat down to write a book, maybe it would be that way. But uh, we've been sort of learned up how to switch it on, switch it off. And, yeah, um, I think everybody's unique in, in their connection, right? I mean, just right? like your your DNA is unique and your personality is unique, your way of connecting is unique. and um, that has to be honored as well. Like I think that's, Absolutely. that's, that's important. No, in fact, I think that's kind of the basis of all of this, that the uniqueness that each of us brings to the table is the first and foremost thing. Absolutely, because I, I often, at the end of a show, will have a, a very similar feeling and, and even physical signs like I would have after a, a channeling uh, experience. Jean always gives me a hard time when I say I was in the channeling state. She goes, "That's the normal state. Stop it." Um, <laughs> she hates terms and definitions and divisions, and uh, I can feel with her on that. I I, uh, I know where she's coming from. Um, they they really put me through the the fire during that second book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I've talked to you shortly after you've had a long car drive and been arguing with George. And oh, George has uh, got an attitude problem, but that's beside the point. <laughs> that's that's how um, uh, that's how Jean first found out about you, Frank. Was uh, uh, she said, "Well, their name's George," 
And I said, well, that's okay. I know Paul. And, you know, so all we got, now we just need a John and a Ringo. We'll get the band back together. We'll have a good time. Exactly. If there's any Johns and any Ringos out there, y'all come talk to us, okay? Because that'd be a fun show, eh? Yeah, y'all come by. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, 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 because uh, I, I, you know, think you've recently had the "What's in a Name" uh, article, and I was like, you know, you got to read this. And uh, she still has an allergy to reading other people's work. She wants her work oh, yeah. to, to be her oh, thing. Yes, it's I'm not, not your allowed. fault. Oh, I understand it perfectly well. I do because. No, I totally, I totally get it too, and it, that's actually been a big problem for me trying to be okay with that. And it's only recently that I've been okay with, not that you do, but that I have the same thing, you know. And that's cool, but other people don't understand. They get offended when I tell them I can't read that. I know that you want me to learn it, and I know you want me to um, talk to you about it, and maybe you know, run with you well, on it. Well, and you know what? Discuss it, but I can't. What help? Well, what helped me a lot was when an artist friend of mine said, look, this is why, like I was talking about Provincetown earlier. I mean, one of the things that Provincetown is famous for is beach shacks where people, artists go and they live on the beach with no electricity, no nothing. They're just on the beach in the shack and out in the middle of nowhere and to get their own vision, you know? No outside influences. Right, exactly. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And when I when I say that to people, it shuts them up immediately. They stop. They're like, "Oh yeah, no, right, of course, no, yes, no." And it's funny too because I'm now getting so clear about it that I had a conversation with a woman that I've known forever, who but I had not met her in person until a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting just talking, and I said something about that, and she said, "Oh yeah, absolutely." You should not be reading no Abraham, no Seth, no this, no that. You shouldn't. Even, you probably shouldn't even really be reading novels. And I'm like, okay, well, I I have to have my 1930s British mystery novels. I don't care. That I have to have. But yeah, I'll give up the rest. But See, that's awesome because yeah. I'm using horror horror stories right now, like Stephen King's and um, stuff like that, because it's so far afield of what. I would normally write about and a, what my work is about, so it's safe for me to read them. But and a place else? you can go and run away and be somewhere yeah, else for a little while for a little vacation time. That's always good. Everything else is forbidden unless it's actual human interaction with other people because I'm the experienced writer. I'm supposed to be writing about that. So um, I'm allowed to talk to people one-on-one, but to, actually, to read their work or to watch their videos is... Not so much. Yeah. Yeah, and I've gotten the same thing uh, from Nestor. You know, when I I got all hyper about I'm not channeling. What am I? What what? What am I doing wrong? And and the answer was you're not doing anything wrong. You've gotten passionate about this thing, so you're doing that thing, and that's perfect. And you're still channeling the way you always did, which is you see a video the night before somebody asks you about something, and then you pass the video along. Who says you didn't create the video in anticipation of the question? And right. so, would you just lighten up about it? What with the channeling, you gotta what? Do we have to talk in a funny voice again? <laughs> in some sort of vague European accent that no one can quite figure out where it's coming from. Right, yeah, right, right. Exactly. And, uh, I know exactly what that is. So, 
uh, I'm, I'm really loving what I'm doing and the way that I'm doing it. So that's how I'm doing it, and I'm fine with it. They're fine with it. I think it's great. You know, no, no mold that being connected to your inner wisdom has to take. It, it people channel, people play music, people draw, paint, write. Some people write. I hear. Yeah, some people. Yeah. We don't know. Probably strange people. You, you get used to integrating it. <laughs> yeah, crazy the crazy ones, right? Um, you get used to integrating it into your everyday being. Like Rick and I have had to really come to terms with George and Nestor taking over the computer. Um, if we're talking about something that's off topic for our field, is going to send us in a direction that George and Nestor don't want us to go, they will shut down Skype. Yeah. And they do this frequently. Frequently. Like, frequently. It's Sometimes it just kind of fades off for a minute, and we both hush, and then it comes back on, and we go, okay, we can't talk about that. <laughs> but for the longest time, they would just hang up on us. And uh, and in, in a couple of instances, I my Internet got completely rewired once, and yours did twice. Yeah. Yeah, we blow things up. So uh, it's fun. I think I'm going to uh, run us off into a musical break. Um, and then uh, perhaps we're right about the halfway mark. Maybe we'll see if uh, uh, Paul would like to come and uh, and chat. We got a couple of questions, and I know that he likes questions. Mm-hmm. He, they, them, those. Okay. <laughs> it's like it's like ours. We laugh uh, for the for those. We all sort of channel, so we all have a name because it's easy to hang a handle, and uh, but it doesn't quite work like that. So. Uh, Anyway, everybody take a deep breath. This is uh, David Swarup. He plays the, I think it's pronounced Hung. It's H-A-N-G. And uh, uh, he's from Amsterdam. It's a very interesting instrument. We'll have a link to uh, uh, his website as well where you can see this strange, looks like a UFO instrument that he plays uh, so well. And it's a beautiful thing to play before uh, channeling because I find it to be pretty high-vibed music. So um, we're going to, uh, I'll mispronounce it, hang like an American would, uh, hang to the creek, and we'll be right back, folks.
Oops. I guess I'm going to have to get better at that fading in and out thing. <laughs> it doesn't change the volume until you let go of the mouse. Okay. Mm-hmm. You would think if you grabbed a hold of a mouse, its volume would change dramatically, but... Oh, wait, no. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, Got to get a laugh somewhere. Absolutely. What are Even we talking about bet. now? <clears throat> well... I thought we would see if uh, uh, Paul and the Communion of Light would like to join us and uh, answer some questions and chat with us for a bit. I'm I'm sure they have something to say. Oh, the, well, they have lots. Any question you want to ask, they'll be happy to answer. Lovely. We got a so, great question from the chat room, and uh, uh, then I've got one. Gene never wants to know. Very anything. cool. Yeah. What? I know. I have. I have something. To oh, good. Remember? I know. This earlier. Okay. 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 Ask the other question. <laughs> Anytime you're ready. Okay. So, from the uh, chat room, uh, I just started meditating lately. And today was amazing. My face and head were intensely affected, almost like they say it should feel for uh, the third eye opening. I'm looking forward to the next meditation. What should I expect? Well, the thing that we would say here is that it all depends upon what your intention is behind the meditation. So if you were meditating from a Buddhist perspective, the master would come up to you and you would say, well, I was feeling my third eye open, and he would say, ignore that. Just keep sitting. So it depends upon what your intention is behind meditation. Now, we know our friend Esther has said that it was very helpful to her to meditate in order to become aligned with the state of being that she wants to be aligned with in order to bring her friends Abraham through her and to speak through her. So perhaps that's your intention behind it. But if your intention is just to relax and to open up to who you are and to find a way to line up with the broader non-physical perspective of yourself, then what you should expect, quote-unquote, is to notice more and more each and every time that you're doing it that you feel a little bit more open, that you feel a little bit more expanded than you did the time before. Perhaps not intensely so, because one of the things you'll want to realize is that the contrast that you have in this experience is based on suddenly becoming aware of the fact that you can achieve this slightly altered state of consciousness without having to work too hard at it, Although we know you put in your time and your focus and your intention and all of that good stuff. But that the contrast is that the difference between that state of open and receiving is vastly different than your normal operating state. And for many people, although not everyone all the time in all ways, the purpose of meditation is to blend the difference between these physical-oriented states of awareness and the non-physical oriented states of awareness so that's what we would recommend is that you be very clear about your intention what is it that you're meditating for what is the purpose what do you want to have as a result of the experience and we mean 
what do you want to have as a result of doing it tomorrow? What do you want to have as a result for doing it over a long period of time? Do you want to be able to be moving throughout the physical world in your body in this mostly meditative state? Is that your purpose, is to be able to turn it on and off? Do you just want to have that time that is dedicated to opening and receiving and allowing? It doesn't really matter what it is. But be clear about what your intention is. And we certainly, certainly do not think that it's ever really a good idea to meditate just because someone, no matter how wise, physical or non-physical, said you should. We always think that anything you do, no matter what it is, no matter what lofty purpose you may assign it, only should be undertaken when you feel in alignment with it or when you feel that by doing it, alignment will be easier. But don't do it because you're going to feel better next week or tomorrow or later on, but do it because in the moment of doing it, it feels better to you right then and there. So those are our recommendations. Beautiful. Uh, that uh, did hear back, that does align uh, with what they're thinking and uh so thank you very much for that um had another uh of your uh, uh fans from Austria that has a question and I have a question that's almost the same um she would like to uh, gain some clarity things have been going quite well but she feels a bit fuzzy and um on money, odd that money would feel fuzzy to someone or strange, but she felt better about it, she said, and then it now is kind of since Saturday, her mood and her feeling on the subject has just sort of gone crashing down, and uh, I've had a similar experience in a similar period of time, so uh, does it have anything to do with the period of time? Does it, uh, what, could you uh, maybe... Uh, Give us your perspective on what's going on. Well, the very first thing we would say is that it's important to remember that you're not affected by events outside of you unless you subscribe to them. So, for instance, our friend Frank uses this software that allows him to see clips of information from different sources but in order to get that information in this one place that's called a reader he has to subscribe to those clips to the services that provide the information and so some of them are about news and some of them are about entertainment and some of them are about spiritual matters other people doing similar work what have you but he's only exposed to the information that he subscribes to and it's a very good metaphor to think about the way in which you interact with the physical plane and the way in which you find yourself manifesting ideas over and over and over again has to do with the thoughts that you subscribe to. They are all your thoughts. Many of them will look like they came from other people. Many of them will look like they have to do with mass events. But you're only able to connect with what you are only able to connect with. You can't be influenced by someone else unless you are a vibrational match to that idea. So that's a really powerful place to be if you really think about it, if you really stop for a moment. And we know that many of you listening, this is rather meat and potatoes. This isn't anything radical that we're saying. But 
what we really want you to get is that if you really think about how revolutionary it is within terms of your culture, that you could be anywhere at any time with anyone and you could actually be in a place of constantly expanding thoughts and awareness. Not necessarily happy because your expanding thoughts may be bringing you to happiness, but you may not be there yet. Or they may be bringing you to joy, but you may not be there yet. And that brings us to where you are in terms of this particular topic, that if you felt that you were riding along and things were going really well and they were getting a little bit better and a little bit better and that's really good, and then all of a sudden you trip and you fall and you stub your toe. That's essentially what has happened here. Now, it may feel much more dramatic than that. And what you might notice is that as you become more accustomed to being in the flow of who you are, when you encounter contrast, just meaning that you're suddenly aware of being focused on something very different than what you've been focused on, so it doesn't feel as good as where you were because the thoughts that you're thinking have shifted over to an area that is more contracted than where you were. That's all that contrast is. And that contrast is telling you, hey, you're out of alignment with what you really want. That's why this feels the way it does. But you stub your toe and you find yourself in that place, it's really not that big of a deal. If you think about someone who walks down a forest path, who spends most of their time hiking, they just have a real passion for hiking, and they are walking down a forest path and they're going from point A to point B and they're having a wonderful time listening to the birds and watching the foxes dart in and out of the trees that are just beyond where they can reach and listening to the chitter-chatter of the squirrels and all that good stuff, and they trip over a tree root, do they sit down and think, I'm never going to walk again? This is it. I'm done. This has betrayed me. I can't handle it anymore. I just Walking is just evil. No one should be walking. Everyone should be scooting along on their rear ends. No, what they do is they just say, oh, tree root. And then for a little while, at least, they're a little bit more attentive, perhaps, to the path. But they go on their merry way. That little bit of contrast, because it's not a big deal to them, because they have trained themselves that it not be a big deal, they just keep moving on. Now, there was a time when you would tumble and fall because you were just learning how to walk, and it was a big deal. And you would think, well, this isn't what I want. I don't want to still be toddling around. I want to be up and walking. There are things for me to grab, cabinets to open, things to explore. There are places I want to go where all these other people are going, and I can't quite seem to get there because I'm toddling around and I can't make it. So I want to get up and get moving and get going. So then when you fall, the contrast is really, really, really big because it's all new and it's all different and you don't understand what it means and, and all that good stuff. But when you've been doing it for years, and that would apply to anyone listening to this conversation on just about any topic, when you've been doing it for years, even when it may be relatively new according to what you know about yourself, it's still just stubbing your toe. It's still just tripping over a tree root. It's not that big of a deal. The problem happens when you begin to notice what you're noticing about the contrast and you begin to make it mean something other than just what it is, which is just the difference between where you are perceptually and where you want to be. So when you let go of that or gently move into the direction of, look, let's let's take stock and see what's really going on here. 
So in the instance of someone who perhaps is having a pain in their physical form, they might be having a headache. Well, do your fingernails have a headache? Do the hair follicles on your left toe, do they have a headache? How is your calf doing on your right leg? Does it have a headache? And just check in to see what all is going on in the rest of your body. And then what happens is you begin to notice, hey, wait a second, my body's actually doing pretty well. The same is true with money. Looking at the money that you do have, for instance, and finding ways to look at it and just say, hey, I really love what I have, even if it's just coins in a bag. Yeah, this is good. And I can find ways, you might say, I can find ways to appreciate this and I can find ways to be more in alignment with it. It's these very simple things. They're not radically important or different things. They're all things you've heard before. But it's these simple things that really will bring you back into alignment with where you want to be. And before you know it, you've stood up, brushed off, and you're walking down the path again. So do you understand these things as we're saying them? Yes, yes. Oh, that's a very good, a beautiful analogy. That's wonderful. Very good. And Thank we really you. do love that you're bringing us this question because it really is a really wonderful thing to be able to say, look, this applies to just about anything. It's never really a big deal. Now, we're not saying don't feel something. That's not what we're saying at all. But what we are saying is you always have the opportunity to just say, look, all that's going on here is I'm noticing that I'm here and I want to be over there and I'm not there yet. I'm having trouble with that. I don't like it. That's okay. What I do want is to be over there, so I'm going to bring my attention to what being over there means to me what that feels like, what it looks like, what it tastes like, and begin to move in that direction powerfully with intent, with deliberate intent, with the desire to be there and to realize, hey, it's all working out. And certainly, we just love saying this, it's all temporary. Indeed. It's all temporary. So... This came to pass. It didn't come to stay. <clears throat> Indeed, it did. So, so came to pass because you summoned it forth for whatever reason, and now you are, are moving on to the next thing, whatever that may be. Very delicious. Very delicious indeed. Thank you so much, Jane. What? Oh, I'm just um, I'm yummying over here in my yummy moment. Yes. <laughs> it is good stuff. Yeah, it really is. Um, well, I I don't know if Paul wants to answer this or Frank wants to answer this or if you all want to answer this collectively. It's actually just an observation that I've made because I have a bit of an issue on a personal level with the whole titles of Guru and all that stuff just because I think it's overused. And um, the last thing we need is more division. Um <laughs> But, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of debate about whether or not um, somebody who's judging the title of guru is actually being in judgment and blah, 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 blah. So I'm I'm just curious, when it comes to conversations about topics like that, when does an observation become a judgment and when does a judgment become an observation? Well, there's no such thing as an observation, not in the way that you're thinking of it. That's where we would start. Because there's no such thing as neutral. You can't you can't observe anything and remain disconnected from it. It's not possible. 
That's the nature of thought, because all things are connected to each other. So when you begin to notice something, you might think of it this way. We like to talk about the network. The network is just simply the points of consciousness that are within your awareness, at least from a conscious perspective, and how you are connected to those things. And what connects the ideas that you are aware of are like you might just imagine them as beautiful strands of light. So anything that you bring your attention to, you're activating your connection with it. So you can't observe it from a neutral perspective. And we're we're taking your idea and we're tweaking it just a little bit. So you tweak away. All right. So judgment. Everybody knows what judgment is. The way you know, look, and judgment isn't a word that we really use because you're judging yourself harshly in the use of the word judgment. We'll start off with that. So, because you're thinking, well, this is this thing that I shouldn't be doing, or this is this thing that they shouldn't be doing, or this is this thing that should never happen. All the judgment is is that you're just giving something a value that you already know you don't like. Already know. And you can tell because of how you feel. When you begin to, quote-unquote, observe in that way, when you put tension in that way, what begins to happen is your energy begins to collapse. It begins to retreat. It begins to contract because you're moving away from the truth of who you are. So you know how it works. You know what a judgment is. And it's there's no... It's quite simple to say, look, one person's judgment is another person's massive relief. So one person might be saying, well, that that so-and-so down the street, that curmudgeon that I don't like, is just really taking up all the oxygen in, in, in the room, and I just don't like them, and I hate these meetings where we get together and we talk about how we're going to cut the grass in the city park and that sort of thing. It just really drives me crazy. And they walk away feeling worse and worse and worse. But that's because when they came to the meeting, for example, we'll just use that as a concept. When they came to the meeting, they were feeling rather in a rather expansive place. And they just got this one thing starting in their craw, and this curmudgeon down the street was just somebody who was making them feel, or so they thought, making them feel as though they weren't really connected to themselves. So they walk away feeling a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. But in that same room, on the same topic of this wonderful curmudgeon down the street, another person walks in and says, that so-and-so down the street, do you know what they did? They were telling me to do this with my dog and my this and my that, and they begin to get excited. They begin to get energized. And that's because before they walked in the room, they were feeling despair or depression or sadness. And so to actually find someone else, and we always say this, when to find someone else to be angry at actually was relief. Very different than the first person. They began to feel better. Not good, but definitely better. And we have to say, as a joke, that whenever you turn your anger away from yourself and towards another person, we're not talking about actions whatsoever. We're talking about thoughts. Whenever you begin to get angry at someone else, it's always relief from where you were because now at least what you're doing is you're beginning to project outward. Now, that's not the end. That's just the next step. But at least what that does is it begins to loosen up the energy a little bit because you're giving yourself some space as you're now noticing other people. 
And that's a big improvement over despair where you're not really aware of anyone else. You're just aware of where you are and the tight contractors you've gotten into. So judgment in the way that you were talking about it, you know what it is because it feels so contracting. And observation, meaning we could say a benign way of looking at things. We really like the word curiosity in this in this particular context. Is just a very mild way of looking at things that has a positive, rather, we could say a better way of saying it, would be an expanding way of looking at what you're looking at. Do you understand all of this? Totally. And I like the word curiosity because that's how I look at some things. I look at them and go, well, that... Why? <laughs> um, and sometimes people don't like it when I ask why, but I have to ask why because some things just don't make sense to me. And it's difficult for me to understand why people do it that way. Well, and what they think about what you're doing, of course, is none of your business. And so you can be as curious as you want to be because as long as it's feeling better, you know you're on the right track for where you want to go. Yes, this is true. Thank you. Yes, and I, I love the curiosity idea because I think it's a very near or natural vibration for who we really are to be curious and want to experience and want to go and want to see and do and taste and yummy. I'm so much more comfortable when I'm in my wonderlust um, mood and vibration. Ah. And the gypsy princess is out and about because that's that's cool. And it's fun. And Yeah, I like curiosity. Curiosity is good. And I'm not a cat, so it's safe. <laughs> well, you have cat-like qualities, but you're not inhabiting a cat body. Hi. <laughs> There's that. There's that. There's that. So, um, I would I would like to ask uh, one more question, if I might. Indeed. Um, I would like to to hear a little of an expanded perspective, an expansive perspective on. Um, What's going on with all of these uh, uh, demonstrations, oh, yay, protests, Occupy. the the Occupy Wall Street movement, for lack of a better name, but the uh, uh, this uh, sort of different expression, maybe, of what's... Uh, I, I would like to hear an expansive per- perspective, uh, uh, an expansive way of looking at that. Well, there are several different perspectives, and we'll start at the one that seems to be the most obvious, and that would be those who feel as though their voice is not being heard. Now their voice is being heard. They're able to make their signs and make their speeches and make their slogans, and they're being heard, and the fact that they're being heard is being reflected back to them. So that feels really good, doesn't it? Absolutely. Now, the other part of this, too, is that the people that they're talking to now we're probably going to surprise you a little bit when we say this the people that they're talking to 
are feeling more confident about their position than they've ever felt before. Now, we don't mean the position that maybe you don't like or the position that you're thinking about in terms of the protest, but rather it's giving them the opportunity to question, is this what I really want? Is this what I'm really about? Is this something that's important to me? And there are certainly going to be those who say, no, I really don't want to be doing this anymore. This is actually brought to my attention, things that I don't like about what I've been doing. And this applies to not just the people that are the quote-unquote target of the protest, but also those people who are somewhat in the middle, the ones who are wearing uniforms and who are wielding sticks and guns and who are questioning, is this really what I want, where I want to be? And the thing is about whenever you go into the street, and it's, we are not ever recommending you do one thing or another in, in, by any stretch of the imagination, but whenever you go into the street and you begin to say, this I don't like, this I don't like, this I don't like, what you will do, of course, not immediately, but you will draw to you people who say, this I do like, this I do like, this I do like, this I do like. And you will also draw to you people who say, you can't say you don't like that. You can't say you don't like that. You can't say you don't like that. So it's very interesting, isn't it, to watch this dynamic play out. Now, all that's going on here, and we'll talk to you, the one who asked the question, is what you are seeing playing out is what is going on in your own consciousness. Just because it seems like it's a whole bunch of people in different spots all over the world doesn't mean that it's something that's remote and far away from you. It's actually you that you're seeing. And that applies to anyone who's observing this. So there's some people who observe this, and it sounds like a lot of chaos. Because what they're trying to do is manage the thoughts in their own head that seem to be in conflict with each other. There are some people who hear freedom because they've decided to liberate themselves from the idea that they need to somehow be controlled or in control or in charge, and rather they'd rather just go with their own powerful flow. There are some people who hear cacophony and conflict and chaos. There are some people who think that this is what I want to do, but I couldn't possibly do it. I just couldn't possibly do it. I just couldn't do it. No, I couldn't do that, but I really want to, but I can't. And that's just a reflection of where they are in different aspects of their lives. So each person, look, there's 7 billion different versions of this going on. And then if you take those 7 billion and square them. So it's there's a lot going on here. But it's the same is true with any event, with any mass event. You've got multiple versions, not an infinite number, but a larger number than you could possibly count of the same thing going on and what you hear and what you're aware of and what you're drawn to and what you want to participate in and what you want to push against and what you think is right and what you think is wrong, all is a reflection of what's going on within you. It has nothing to do with the other people. They're just the catalyst that you drew forth in order to work this out. So now... There is something going on on the mass level that we really do like, and that is that this is letting out a lot of steam that's been building, a lot of pressure that's been building in your culture. Right now, since it's playing itself out, it looks like that it's more fractious, and you may not feel this way, but we know that there certainly are others who feel this way, that it looks more fractious than unifying. But when we said earlier that everyone is getting the opportunity to decide what it is that they really are in alignment with, and this allows them to do that quite powerfully because it's demonstrated, it's visible. That has the effect 
Uh, it doesn't solidify, although some people will certainly calcify and solidify their ideas around these things and become more rigid and not less less so. But what it mostly does, particularly in your culture, is it lets out some of the pressure. And so what you will probably notice over the next six months to a year, although you should never listen to a non-physical being talk about time ever, <laughs> but we will generally say it this way. What you will probably notice in approximately six months to a year is a real realignment, not revolutionary, because your culture isn't a revolutionary culture, but a real realignment of ideas around some of these topics and the emergence of a voice that has not really had much of a say as of late. So... In pure political terms, although we're not advocating one thing or another, it's of no interest to us other than how it's of interest to you, but you probably will notice on a mass level the emergence of a more, what is in your terms called a more leftist approach to politics that's then has been present in your country in quite a while. Because it's getting a voice in a way that it hasn't had for a long time. Now, we don't agree or disagree, so don't mistake us for saying that this should be or shouldn't be. We're just saying this is what we notice on a mass level, and don't believe us. Go out and test it for yourself and see if that's, that's what happens, and see if that's what you want to happen. Because you're the ones creating this reality. You individually are creating your version of this. And... Again, like we said before with the reader, you only see what you're subscribed to. So if this is something that brings you exhilaration, then by all means, jump into it and revel in it and bask in it and really enjoy it. If it's something that feels like it's a constricting thing, then turn your attention away from it and look at something else. Find other things that feel expensive because that's much more important than any political issue will ever be. There's no political topic, no matter how dire, no matter how important, that, that is more important than the maintaining the powerful flow of well-being within you on a conscious level. That's much more revolutionary and radical than anything that could happen on the physical plane. Do you understand all of this? Yes. So, again, like would be... Uh, um, I would I would think your perspective on whatever it is someone was observing, whether it's Occupy Wall Street or a piece of art or a piece of nature, if it makes you feel good to look at it, look at it some more. Feel free. And if it makes you feel bad to look at it, find something else to look at. Indeed. You're not going to help anybody at all, ever, by bringing yourself to that place where you think they are. Because first of all, you don't know where they are. Second of all, when you line yourself up with someone else, you're beginning to walk away from the truth of who you are. And your most powerful gift that you ever give to another person is to say to them, look, I trust you. Not from that place of I didn't trust you before and now I do trust you, but I trust you, I honor you. I see you for who you are. I see you for the complete and total being of light that you are made manifest here right now. 
that's the most powerful gift you can give. And really, in a way, the only way to do it is to have some inkling. You don't have to know this 100%, obviously, but to have some inkling that you are that way as well, that that is who you are. But you can't see it in someone else without having that awareness of yourself, and you can't have that awareness of yourself without being willing to see it in everyone else. Because what you withhold from anyone, you're withholding from yourself because they're you and you are them. And we don't mean this in the sense that you are all one, because of course you are all one. But in fact, that's that thing that we always like to say, you've got that down really well. The whole oneness thing, you've got that down fabulously and beautifully. What you're doing here in this physical plane is you're learning how to honor yourself as the unique individual being that you are in the midst of all of this oneness. From a non-physical perspective, it's kind of, it doesn't really mean anything. But from a physical perspective, it's very, very, very much what this is all about. There's some very tasty aspects of being in physical form. There are some very, 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 in fact, the vast majority, the vast majority beyond anything that we could even count of physical aspects are powerful, delicious, amazing, wondrous. When you bring your attention to them, when you maintain that powerful flow of well-being within yourself, what happens is you have more and more and more of it, and that's what each and every one of you want. And everything you do, you do because you believe at some way, at some point, from doing what you're doing, you will get that thing that we just said. That powerful, wonderful relief, that feeling of connection. You will remember who you are, and you will. The thing that is so confusing, because this is not how you were trained, and we'll leave it at this, is that you get to have your cake and eat it too. You get to feel good, and feel better at the same time. You get to move in the direction of what you're wanting more of and have it. And still have room to feel better. And there's always room to feel better because you're never going to arrive at the place where you're going. Ever. I, um... Well... So beautifully put and so beautifully said... Uh, and I would just toss in for my friends that hang on this Facebook place that uh, should you find something, say, that you want to celebrate, and so you put it, and then someone else comments that they find that disturbing and horrible, that you should really celebrate that too, because for them, from wherever they are, that is how it feels to them. And Indeed, and their contrast, the gift that they've just given you, if we can interrupt you for just a yes, moment. Yes, yes. The gift that they've just given you is your your ability to go back and say, double down on what you're noticing. No, this is amazing. This is wonderful. This is the thing that I have given myself. And I will have it. Thank you very much. Okay, then why? Explain to me why. Because now I have to ask this question. I know we're going to go over a light on this. But since you brought up the whole Facebook thing then if the contrast is a good thing how come nobody ever complains on my wall about what i write nobody ever disagrees with what i post but rick will put the same thing on his wall and like 10 people attack him because you are in alignment with what you are doing and he is not in alignment with what you are doing we don't mean that he disagrees with it he's just not in alignment with it he couldn't be in alignment with it because it's not his Do you understand that? Yes and no. Well, look, let's put it this way. 
Well, just because sometimes it's a post from somebody else and he'll put it on his wall and he'll get attacked. I'll put the same thing on my wall and nobody attacks me. Well, that's because it's the exact same thing. It doesn't matter where it comes from because it all comes from you. Of course. Yes, legally we understand you have to put their name and say this is what so-and-so said. (laughs) But we really want you to get that because you have the energy that you bring this has nothing to do with Facebook. It has nothing to do with quotes or attributions or anything like that. It has nothing to do with the words. Not you, the response. Well, and it's not the response either. You are so aligned with what you are doing, and you're so clear about what you are wanting, that no one is interested in pushing against it. There's, <laughs> not, there's nothing there to push against. Oh, Your friend, however, and we say this in the kindest, gentlest sort of way, your friend, however, is all over the map with this sort of thing. Would you not agree with that, friend? Yes. You're all over the map. You're not complete. You're not aligned with these things. You're throwing them out there because you want to you want to see what sticks and what doesn't. But now we're not saying this is a bad thing. It's just different. The lack of response that you get and the the plethora of response that you get, they both serve purposes to you individually. But when you look across each other and you say, well, he's getting that, but she's getting this, then it begins to get all weird because it doesn't make any sense across the line, so to speak. Well, it does now, and that's cool. I was curious. I mean, I'm, I comment on it all the time. I don't get upset about it. I just... It's one of those curious things that kind of makes me go, huh. Indeed. What you, if we were in your shoes, what we would notice about this is the clarity of alignment. Now, we would also go probably to the next thing, which is, and just, again, from a curiosity perspective, not a big deal, is this what I really want? Not because you should or shouldn't want it, but just, is this what I really want? And if it's yes, hell yes, then you then go. And if it's like actually a little bit more contrasting bits and pieces here, then follow in that direction. Be more outrageous. Be more whatever it is that would be more contrasting pieces and bits and see what happens. Yes, very obviously I'm not stirring up nearly enough shit yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a little cocoon-like right now. Yes. And that's what they're noticing. That's what they're paying. That's what, because you're, you've got a, a bit of a shiny exterior, and it's kind of hard to get around it. So, and, and again, not good, not bad. There's nothing judgmental about that. We're not assigning a value. We're just saying that's that's a way of interpreting it. But what it has to do with is it has to do with the fact that your chrysalis hasn't quite formed yet, and you know that. This is this is not information. Why do you guys always say, but you know this? <laughs> this is not new information. Well, well, what we're saying is it's not so much that you know it exactly the way that we said it, because we may give it a slightly different twist than what you've heard mm-hmm. before. But you know within yourself that you're not quite – the thing that you're bringing out is not quite ready. Yes. And you know that. That's not, that's not an odd thing. Yes. No, no. I totally um, – yeah, there's there's certain things that I haven't – that I haven't come out with yet that I'm not I'm not ready to to yeah yeah 
They're yeah. right. I mean, you're right. Uh, we're right. Always, we're right. right. Be a better way to put it. Stating the obvious. <laughs> and I'm, and I still have this insatiable curiosity about what people think, and and so they give big, you what you want. It's a big adventure for me to try to untangle that from caring what other people think. Indeed. Because. I'm stubborn. I want to be able to know what they think because it's so interesting to hear all these different perspectives I would have never thought of, at least the way I interpret it from my current place and point of view. Uh, but I don't want to be in judgment, Gene, on, on it. I, and I don't want to let it... I have allowed hearing other people's opinions to throw me way off my game before. And I would like to do that without getting thrown off my game, I guess. I think. I think he's been getting wonderfully much better. Oh, yes, I do too. And I'm having a blast doing it, so what, that's what matters. Yeah, you laugh way more now when people say silly things. Yes, and it, and that's the point, right? I'm having a blast doing it. Yeah. Uh, Paul, that's the point. Or having a lot of fun doing it, so keep doing it. And so we're going to keep doing that. Uh, that's probably a, a good place for us to to shift out. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of music, and then uh, we'd like to chat with Frank and hear all about the uh, uh, workshops and how people can find him on the web and find you, you guys on the web. Uh, I thank you so much for uh, some beautiful insight. And we yeah. thank you very much for your very, very delicious questions. Very delicious. Oh, you rock. All right, folks, we'll be we'll be right back. I'm going to play another piece from uh, David Swarup uh, live at the Chai Shop.
Wow. Oh my goodness, there's applause. Our studio applause. audience, our studio audience applauding. Um, um, <laughs> I'm in love with David's music. It is very uh, soothing and centering to me. It, it's so very, feels very. like home. Um, wow, I'm just gonna breathe that in while you talk, okay? Okay. So, welcome back, Frank. Thanks so much. Tell us. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit more about workshops and, and especially where people can find you on the web. We're going to have all your links up on, on the website, but for our podcast listeners that uh, got this on their iPod while they were jogging, uh, how can they find you? Well, it's real easy. Uh, go to communionoflight.com. That's communionoflight, C-O-M-M-U-N-I-O-N, of light, L-I-G-H-T.com. And you'll find all sorts of stuff there. Uh, you can sign up for the mailing list. Uh, keep uh, in touch with all the different events that we're doing. Um, if you look on the navigation bar on the right, you'll see a thing that says Rampages. We're right in the middle of doing a uh, – it's our 10th Rampage series on uh, perfect customers. And so what that is is we uh, have a call every morning for 28 days at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we rampage for about 10 minutes on the topic. And um, those are available as, as uh, MP3 downloads. So you don't even have to show up for the call. You just know that uh, during the day you'll get this email that I'll have a link. And you'll have your next little mini meditation just perfect for on this you know, anyone who has clients, it doesn't matter what kind of clients, customers you have, whether you're selling products or services, it's it's perfect. So I love it, love it, love it, love it. It's my it's my way of meditating, and I love to, that I get to do it with other people. Um, but you'll find all sorts of things there. We have an online membership community called The Village, and we have three weekly Q&A calls, Mondays, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, which basically covers anyone anywhere in the world. So um, there's a time where you can call in, ask your question, get your answer right then and there. We have a huge audio library, getting close to 200 hours of uh, material, 300 maybe. Um, I've kind of lost count. And uh, it's growing all the time. It's really, really good stuff. So the best thing to do is just go to the website, poke around, see what you like, send me an email, let me know that you were here and you heard this, because I love to connect with people who listen in on these really magical conversations. And and that's that. That's where that's where it's all at. So I've just really enjoyed this. This has been great, you guys. Isn't it yummy? Fantastic. Yeah. We love our virtual sandbox and, and, and having <laughs> folks to play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would love for you to come in and play with us again sometime. Oh, please. I'd love to. That'd be great. Just let me know. Okay. All right, everybody. I want to say thanks to everybody uh, in the chat room. And uh, we had a couple of callers that joined us for various parts of the call. Thank you so much for being here and joining in the conversation and for all of our podcasts and uh, website visitors and time zone time travelers. Uh, we really appreciate you guys, too. Yeah, so, the um, support from the other side of the ocean is awesome, guys. Thank you so much. So we love you. Just beautiful. And uh, we're glad that uh, that you enjoy it because we're just out here having fun. And <laughs> it's good that other people like to have fun, too. So join us again Tuesday. We will be here with Lucian uh, Klaus. Klaus? Klaus. Klaus. 
I don't know. Yes. Um, yes. Father Time, I'm going to call on that. Um, you might beat me for that. But um, often you hear me referring to in my writing and on the radio to um, my older friend um, who I meet with every once in a while who imparts upon me little snippets of wisdom. And um, this is my night of honor because I get to bring him on the radio to talk to all of you and that's for me really exciting I guess he would be the closest thing that I would have to a sensei um, guru even yeah uh, he would probably beat me for using that word yeah. um, uh, you would probably beat me for using that word but there definitely a much valued older brother um, and um, just an amazing friend to have so I'm, I'm really excited about that show I'm really looking forward to getting to chat with him and we'll have some more great music so I uh, hope you all can join us and uh, thanks again Frank and uh, I guess good night until next week night. We good love night you. thank you mm-hmm. join Rick and Jean again next time until then visit their website at everydayconnection.me and be sure to like their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection Worried you might miss an episode? Don't worry. Subscribe. Find us on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free just like your Everyday Connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.